So this uh, rhabdomyolysis is pretty fucking serious. I mean, you, you and you keep persisting through it, going back to buds with fucking rhabdo, uh, which is a good way to uh, get renal failure and die, right? Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a special guest today, Jeff Gum, former Navy SEAL and entrepreneur. How's it going? Going awesome. Yeah, good to hear that. Um, if anybody wants to pause and go look some of this shit up before we, they continue listening to the rest of the interview, <clears throat> um, it's Jeff and then Gum, like the chewing gum. And uh, you're the founder of Sunga Life, which is not surprising to that a Navy SEAL started a clothing company with the shortest possible shorts humanly allowed or legally allowed rather <laughs> uh so go look that up and then check out force blue which you've heard about before from rudy reyes uh repairing coral and stuff like that but let's get into it so uh where'd you grow up i grew up in pennsylvania actually on a dairy farm and lived there till i was 18 my family is still there and then uh went to school in florida after that at ucf Good oh nights. word yeah so you're a national champion then huh Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we didn't lose our conference like Alabama that year. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what kind of cows? Holstein or? Uh, dairy. Uh, black and white ones. Oh, I... uh, 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 what the fuck are those? Not Those aren't. Those are uh, Jersey. Yeah, those are Jersey cows, I think. Okay. I think Holstein and Brown. I don't remember. Fuck, what do I know? Um, yeah. So... Let's talk about growing up. You grew up on a farm, uh, uh, or a, uh, I guess it's a dairy farm, is the, or just a dairy. How do you say it? Yeah, it was the dairy farm. It was it was really nice, kind of a small farm, hundred acres. We had a pond in the backyard that my grandpa kind of dug out and created from natural springs, and he used that to irrigate the entire farm. Uh, Brought, he ended up being master farmer of Pennsylvania. He had the highest like crop yield for the size. And then my dad uh, bought that from my grandpa and everything was amazing. I had a pony named Rocky, who was one of my best friends and a bunch of golden retrievers that my mom bred. But um, my my father ended up being killed when I was eight in a, in a car accident. Mm. He was running errands and picking up farm equipment and a tractor trailer came across the highway and hit him, hit him in the door head, head on. And so, um, a lot of big changes after that, they started, uh, selling, sold off all the cows and the farm equipment, everything was auctioned. And we had, we had a lot of family who really helped support my mom and everything through, through all that. My grandparents lived just up the street. But uh, yeah, everything was very different after that. How many, you got brothers and sisters? Like how many, well, how big was the family? So I was the oldest, I was eight, and my sister was five, my brother was two at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, that's tough. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's good that you had uh, family and friends around, I suppose, because that could have gone pretty bad. Yeah, 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 they all really supported um, I was really close to my grandparents who lived right there and my mom's my mom's parents lived in New Jersey not too far and they came out and supported a lot as well just to help watch us and everything mm -hmm. and uh, 
yeah. But uh, my mom ended up meeting another really great guy about maybe a year and a half later or so, um, who was actually a childhood friend of my father's. And he took me to a basketball game maybe like a year and a half later. And I was like, mom, he's really great. And then maybe another year and a half after that, they got they got married. Oh, wow. That's cool. Well, look, it yeah. all worked out, I guess. Um, what what was high school like then? Um, like I, 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 the reason I asked is because, you know, you're in that age group where 9-11 would have had a, a, an impact on whether or not you joined the military. I don't know that that's not a thing anymore, really. People join for one reason or another, but most people from our general age group, that was a big part of it. So uh, how old were you when that happened? Yeah, I was 17. I was sitting in, in a sitting in, it was like an AP literature class. And all of a sudden, yeah, that, that happened. And basically class stopped for the day. We all kind of had, had discussions about it. I had already wanted to be a SEAL since I was 16, mainly for the challenge and to learn all the really badass stuff about being a SEAL, skydiving, shooting guns, blowing stuff up, fighting. But uh, then it kind of went for the whole reason to go hunt the most evil people in the world and make sure 9-11 doesn't happen again. Sure, yeah. Like, more, like, unselfish reasons. Mm. What was it that, uh, as a teenager, why, why the SEALs? Why, why not something else? Was it Charlie Sheen? Yeah, so um, I actually tore my ACL my six, when I was 16 mm -hmm. and was just stuck in a brace, and I started looking for the hardest thing to do, challenge myself, because I realized... I, I couldn't be sitting, I'm like, all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I'm stuck in a brace, not able to play four sports and work out, lifting, and I was like, all right, I can't go do a normal job, I need the biggest challenge in order to be fulfilled, where I'm, and I was like, oh, I could do Hell Week, and, and uh, so that's what really kind of enticed me, I wanted to do Hell Week and challenge myself and do all, yeah, these really awesome things, scuba diving, so yeah, all, you know, you, I think you kind of, you just get, you get the water as well. And I wasn't great in the water yet. I kind of want to eliminate that weakness too. Mm. Yeah, that's a, um, I think that's, and you can speak to this because I've, I've heard this from other SEALs before. There's uh, a, a lot of people don't go to BUDS because they're worried about being in the water, but a lot of people go to BUDS without any water skills at all. And you just kind of fucking sink or swim, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's why the attrition rate is really high mm -hmm. as well. I, you know, I, I wasn't great in the water yet. I was pretty, pretty solid at everything else. But uh, then I actually trained with an army ranger who who was uh, had his own scuba scuba company, uh, Ranger Rick Lorimore. Mm -hmm. He ended up becoming the president of, of Naui later on. Yeah. And we, we reconnected. But uh he would take me at the pool at YMCA and like tie me up and do all mm. these other things. And then I had another really great mentor, Mike Gecko, who was a pretty infamous first phase instructor. He actually instructed all the guys who put me through SEAL training. And uh, I kind of learned drown proofing and, and a lot of the basics from him. And he connected me with collegiate swimmers uh, who one of them became one of my, one of my best friends and we went, we went through buds together, but I would just train a lot of swimming mm. with him. I really want to eliminate any weaknesses that I had before I got there. 
What uh, just out of curiosity, what did the the YMCA staff have to say about you getting tied up and thrown into the fucking deep into the pool? <laughs> I think Rick had been he had been going there for a while and mm. training training people, and nobody yeah nobody really messed with us. It was all it was the same YMCA where kind of the the NSW mentorees would come through and do a bunch of swimming. And yeah, nobody, nobody really messed messed with us at all. It was good. Yeah, that is good. So, um, <clears throat> this is. Uh, did you go to school first, or did you go to the military first? So both. I went to I went to UCF mm -hmm. first, and I did my MBA at UCLA after. Oh, I see. So you you had the ability to in, to uh, become an officer, but chose to enlist instead. I did the same thing, by the way, in the eighty second awesome. Airborne, but because I didn't. And it, maybe it's different for SEALs. I don't actually know that much. But in uh, in the infantry, it's like if you're an officer, you may get to do a little fighting as a first lieutenant or a second lieutenant, rather. And then you might get to do a little bit more as a captain unless you go into soft. But that's it. That's the end of it for you. So mm -hmm. that seemed like a dumb idea to me. I didn't want to do fucking paperwork. Yeah, I. it's kind of funny. So, you know, I was going through all these things. I was looking at the Naval Academy. Um I was like, oh, I could, you know, be a SEAL because I, I thought I should do college first. That's what, you know, you're always you're always kind of told. And then I was like, oh, I found out about ROTC. I'm like, maybe I'll do ROTC. And I was like, oh, going to college in Florida would be amazing. You know, being in a small town, Pennsylvania, it was like pool parties and stuff. So I uh, was checking out University of Florida in Miami and I talked to my cousins who are really successful entrepreneurs. and. They they had gone to UCF. I went down, visited them, loved the school, but they didn't have Navy ROTC. They only had Army. So I actually did Army ROTC, did Ranger Challenge a couple years. I went to Airborne School. I get to Airborne School, and all my best friends there had a just finished buds. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I And they had kind of longer hair and sideburns, and they weren't marching, and I just kind of fit, fit in great with them. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, long hair I, uh, don't care, right? That's the fucking motto. <laughs> well, yeah, one, one of them. Yeah. And so, yeah, decided Buds was going to be the right route. And they also told me to enlist. So I kind of got out of ROTC, said I'd pay it back when I, when I graduated, enlisting in the Navy, took care of the scholarship. And then um, that way I could be a sniper, breacher, um, heavy machine gunner, do all the really cool parts of being a SEAL. And, uh, and yeah, I got to, got to go do all that. Yeah. You were a West coast guy, right? I was. Yeah. So going to buds in San Diego, I really fell in love with it and, um, had, yeah, he got really close with the Gracie family out there too, with jujitsu and everything. And just was like, all right, I definitely want to stay in California. I think it was before California really, I mean, San Diego is still okay, but California in general really went downhill since mm. then you don't say yeah um well let's talk about that a little bit um and then we'll get back into some of the military stuff you're in that generation like me um that experienced 9-11 um and also experienced the i guess non-internet non-social media culture right where uh, i guess uh mobile phones became pretty popular in the late 90s to early 2000s but social media was more like middle 2000s um 
and then and it was yeah it was a lot different too it was like myspace and facebook you weren't people weren't on it scrolling all day long they might you know check check it out here and there but i would go you know probably weeks at a time without even without even looking sure you know look checking out my myspace yeah it wasn't (laughs) i just wanted to see what tom was up to mostly but uh how how do you like you so you you went through this you were part of that generation um what did you see culture wise how it changed over that time period and if there was any like the uh you you were in nsw so it may not be reflective of the greater navy larger navy or larger dod or anything but uh did you see first culture change in general society and then was there a culture change in the navy as well as this started to progress i'm just curious a huge change in society people were not you know hooked to their phones the same way but people could be hooked to other things it could be newspapers or whatever but it's not quite as engaging and put pulling people in and then men had to go i mean when i was in college we we went out almost almost every night you know to meet chicks and Mm. everything and now it's like this generation some just don't seem to care about meeting chicks and some are just meeting them on apps and everything and are yeah. more afraid to approach in person. That's weird, like that. right? That's that weird. It's like there's some kind crazy. of there's there's a all of this stuff about attacking masculinity like toxic masculinity or whatever the fuck. We build civilization gets built because dudes are trying to get laid. I mean, that's reductive, right? Yeah. But it is like yep. the biological drive to go uh, you know, send your DNA, your genetics into the as far into the future as possible is something that affects the lowest animal all the way up to us, right? And yeah, with like, like the highest quality mate. Yeah, exactly. So the highest quality mate, which means you as an individual, to if you want to get the highest quality mate, you have to be the highest quality person you can be, right? So you know, it manifests itself in a lot of weird ways, like putting a, a spoiler on your Honda or wearing too much cologne or whatever the fuck. But it also manifests itself in uh, that's one of the primary motivators for men to go be successful and driven and motivated in life, right? Not not to fuck, not just to fuck, but like to, to find a good mate and then produce offspring. And when you take that out of the equation, you can see the results. I mean, we have a bunch of timid dudes that don't, like, they can't make eye contact with you. They don't fucking stand up when people come by they don't shake hands and stuff it's a very bizarre world we're living in now it's funny even some girls who are you know they're born in california they're they're liberal and they think they want a liberal man and then and that's what they mainly date but then they go out of nowhere on a date with a conservative man and they'll literally make a whole video about how amazing it was how the guy paid for everything and he was confident and he just gave his card and he was just doing doing different things that are more masculine than what they're used to and they're like this is they're like this is incredible i i didn't know these guys were like this and i kind of <laughs> thought i was an independent woman but now i kind of don't want to be and and yeah yeah but that's just the, that's just what a dude is that's what a dude yeah. like I, i've had these um interactions as well where, uh, you know, and it's, you know, complimentary women's telling me, blah, blah, blah. I like that. It's really, I like that you're doing these things, but it's, I'm not used to it. I'm like, yeah, well, that's just like, that is the, the least you can do as a dude. Right. Like that's, we, we didn't no nobody got together 
in a cabal in a room in a dark room somewhere 3,000 years ago in Greece and said, you know what we're going to fucking do? Women are going to do this and men are going to do this. No, it just kind of fucking naturally happened that way, right? Um, in every society. <laughs> forever, right? Yeah. So it's like yeah. maybe we should pay some attention to the fact that this, this exact part, this part of culture is almost identical, um, absent authoritarianism, of course, but this part of culture is almost identical independently all over the world, right? And at least four major cultures in the first thousand years of recorded history uh, developed independently with the same general rules and stuff. Maybe it's because it makes fucking sense, right? Like if yeah, you show up to definitely. if you show up to uh, 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 an event somewhere and everybody's doing the activity one way and you start doing it the other way, some other way, you're a fucking retard, man. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I don't know why we're so hell bent on. Uh, reconstructing know, the norms. Yeah, like what's the and and then re reconstructing norms is a good way to put that because we come up with these words like. <clears throat> like cisgender you mean normal that's not a fucking thing yeah. dude yeah that's not that you, that's yeah. not a word cisgender is not a word that's nonsense or tradi like trads people say trad all the time now you mean traditional you mean normal you mm -hmm. fucking dumb dumb like we that to me that is ultra nefarious because it's trying to bring i guess uh uh extreme minority opinions up to the level of normal you know what i mean like if 99 percent of people behave one way and you're like well actually i do i do this thing or whatever and you're trying yeah. to make that the standard now it's like no that's not that's not how this works it's trying to conform society around the one percent mm. yeah this doesn't make any sense i mean we wouldn't do that and if you run a business and you speak to only one percent of your audience you will be out of business very soon Right. And, and that's, that's how, why they say go woke, go broke. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how you feel about like, I don't like government at all. I don't think the federal government should even exist, frankly, but, um, if we are going to have government, it certainly can't be focused on just the minority opinion. That's crazy. Yeah. The make the military. So it will just do sex changes for people that shouldn't even be in it. Well, <laughs> a new study came out last week, I think, and it says 77% of uh, eligible males, that is, I think, 17 to 32, are, would be ineligible for military service because of some kind of physical or mental condition. 77%. That seems like a lot. Yeah, I mean, you look at society now, and I think it's 50 or 60% of the population is considered obese mm -hmm. as well. And so that would, that would take out, you know, a very significant part. Not and just then, obese, 38% are either diabetic or in pre-diabetes right now, 38% of Americans. That's insane. That's, that's like, real, and that's that, type two, that's, by the way, that's like, that, that is a behavior problem. That, that that's the that real 40% of the, country the actual has. pandemic. Yeah, it's yeah. not like COVID was, if they would have put, all the effort into just treating this uh, this obesity epidemic, mm. it, it would have actually, you know, taking care of COVID way better than injecting people with something that just made them more prone to getting COVID. Sure, yeah. I mean, well, look, there's no money in that, so. Yeah. What's the point? Um, <clears throat> so let's go back to the military a little bit. Um, when did you, uh, what, what year did you go in, 2007? Yeah, 07, okay. went to boot camp, uh, Ju July, 
made it, made it, made it through boot camp. Uh, it was, you know, pretty, pretty boring, mm. but, uh, got, got through me and I had a group of friends. We would be doing kind of workouts all night, trying to make sure we stayed in shape for buds and everything. And, uh, then, then we all go out to buds, got there in October. Uh, I was in like PTRR for a while mm. and then, then started seal training, uh, in kind of early, early 2008. And, and yeah, that was, that was good. I kind of, I got, everything was going well. And then I got viral gastroenteritis Friday before hell week. And I was just throwing up for like several days. And so, but, uh, started feeling better Sunday. And that's when, that's when hell week was, I was like, all right, we're going to do this. But from being super dehydrated, I ended up getting rhabdomyolysis and it had never been diagnosed at the time. It's kind of like where your muscles break down so much, your blood becomes toxic with muscle waste. And, uh, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, I started my start becoming really weak and it had never been diagnosed before because it affects people so much physically that mentally they'll quit on themselves. And, uh, I think tons of people probably had it before they just, uh, they just quit when they got it, but I became the weakest person in the class. And after like, you know, everyone, everyone else had pretty much quit and an hour from Wednesday, they, I had gotten a few warnings and they ended up performance dropping me. And I kind of didn't really accept that. I called my mentor who really believed in me, thought I was really tough and talked to talk to another master chief there ended up going in i i didn't wear the utility uniform that you that you get in boot camp when you when you quit buds or don't make it you put you put that thing back on i just put on my dress blues and wore that i thought the utility uniform was kind of the quitter uniform mm -hmm. and they all went over to xdiv so i had to go in and meet with the with the i was the last person to not make it in that class there was like three other people who got taken out that day as well. It's very front loaded people that don't make it through mm. hell week. And, um, I go in, okay, I'm like, can I speak to you after? I was like, Hey, I'm 23. I have a college degree. I didn't fail a single thing leading up to this. Um, all the runs, all the swims, all the O courses. I just got sick before you can talk to the doctors. Um, I was in there just get, I couldn't even drink water. I was taking IVs for, for all of Friday mm. and, and you have all these people who didn't pass a single run. It's like three or four that you do single swim, single, and they got rolled, got another chance to go back and get stronger and go into the next class. I, I don't need to go the fleet. I don't need to get stronger. I'm 23. I have a college degree. I just need to be healthy. And he's like, damn, you're the first person ever walking here and want to do this again after getting dropped. And, uh, kind of through all that, it went back and forth a little bit because some instructors only saw me being really weak and sick and they didn't, they didn't know I had rhabdo. So they were like, Oh, he doesn't deserve another chance. It went back and forth through a bunch of things. I had to meet with other kind of chiefs and had kind of people from the top call in, call in on my behalf through my met, through my mentor and that other master chief I went, who was like a dev group legend. And so I got back into the next class. I went from never failing anything to failing every single evolution in, in the next class. Cause now I had rhabdo still. And, uh, and then I, after 
falling out on a on boats and then monday came and i came in last place by six minutes on a on a run i went to medical and like told the doctor i'm like can hey, you to find out what's wrong with me or they're gonna kick me out of buds and never let me come back and i'm not looking for a way out i just need to find out what's wrong i was crushing this stuff in you know two classes before this and and uh he sent me over. He's like, sounds like you got this thing rhabdo. They drew my blood. My blood came back toxic. And uh, I got some rest and then went back and started training all over again. But uh, I went, <laughs> all of a sudden, I start buds again. You know, a couple months later, I, I went through in-doc. They didn't even make me do in-doc. I did kind of just all these crazy workouts of Ty Woods, who for listeners who don't know, it's kind of the hero of Benghazi, mm. who 13 hours is based off of. Yeah, did but... all these amazing workouts, and uh, I, I was just so mentally tough from doing everything with my body not working. Now I'm just in like crazy shape, mm -hmm. and just kind of crushed everything after that. This episode is brought to you by Ghostbed.com forward slash Drinker Bros. Ghostbed, it's the best bed in the world. It's the most comfortable sheets, pillows, the whole thing. I've got them all, man, and you know they wanted to extend their best possible offer to Drink It Bros. They've been with us for a very long time. So this is the email they sent us. We want Drink It Bros to get the best offer. So I updated the code for 50% site-wide. That's 50% site-wide. Use the code Drinkin' Bros. Drinkin' Bros with no G. For 50% off site-wide, everything that you buy on this site is going to be 50% off. Again, they get the best pillows sheets mattresses they get the mattress protector uh if you're if you're sloppy and spill things and you don't want to jack up your mattress they have pretty much everything you need they've got weighted blankets now they've got the adjustable base which we really like i've got one in my home so go to ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros use the code drink it bros for 50 percent off site-wide and don't forget about their page-to-go plan if you're with approved credit you're going to be able to pay this thing off over the course of three to five years for 25 to 35 bucks a month. It's nothing. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today and use the code drinking bros for 50% off. This episode is also brought to you by blackriflecoffee.com. The best coffee in the world. As a matter of fact, they won both the gold and bronze medal at the Golden Bean Awards this year for their exclusive coffee club entries in the elite category. So the best coffee on earth literally was Circus Bear by Black Rifle, one of their ECS. So I recommend that you go sign up for the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. And, uh, you know, you get all the benefits for being in the coffee club. You get the free shipping. You get access to all the partner deals. Uh, uh, you get access to the exclusive coffee club. You get access to any new products that come out before anybody else does. You know, it's a very large club that they have over there. And the coffees are premium. Every single one of them is good. Uh, you, you're going to get experience for you. You can do just the plain coffee club. And if you want your two bags of, of uh, espresso or your two bags of silencer smooth or whatever it is you drink, you can get those two bags or one bag or whatever you want every month or and or rather you can use the ECS, the exclusive coffee club and get access to some of the most premium coffees on the planet and kind of learn what it is that you like. You know what I mean? So then you can order those premium coffees from Black Rifle as well. So, and we all know they got the best branding, the best merch, and their buddies. You know, we're all friends here. Uh, we love Black Rifle. So go to blackriflecoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, or buy something, do whatever you want. 
Um, use the code CITIZEN, you're going to get those points off. Yeah, Ty was uh, he was a fucking animal, that dude. I've heard many yeah. of these stories of a legendary fucking beef castle, I guess you could call him. Uh, <laughs> so this uh, rhabdomyolysis is pretty fucking serious. I mean, you, you and you keep persisting through it going back to buds with fucking rhabdo, uh, which is a good way to uh, get re- renal failure and die, right? Yeah. Especially, like, it's... You're you're at risk for renal failure just having it, but if you can't keep water down and you just stay dehydrated the whole time, it gets progressively worse, right? Yeah, so it's pretty much because I had VGE and was extremely dehydrated. I mean, there's several things that can lead to getting it. It's like being dehydrated, hypothermia, which we lost like 30 people at Steel Pier and 30 people on the buoy swim because it was so so cold. All these people are quitting like crazy actually do really well in the cold but uh but with the, with those things it just kind of and then i was getting these cr- probably from that as well i was getting cramps in my in my quads when we we're running with the boat there's a type of type of cramps where a football player will like fall and get carried off the field and i just kind of bit down as hard as i could and stayed stayed under the boat while while running with these cramps and i think kind of running running through that is what like really led to getting the getting the rhabdo then with with the dehydration and and hypothermia and then yeah after once i got that i could i couldn't even stay under the boat it was i was like running behind it trying trying to keep up it was the most kind of humiliating worst time of my life um but there was there was no way I was going to quit. I, you know, thought of my grandpa fighting in, fighting in Korea, being shot in the neck and shot in the chest, getting purple hearts, getting patched up and just going back out and keep fighting. I would think of like, you know, a situation of Marcus Luttrell fighting in, you know, in Afghanistan mm-hmm. with a hundred Taliban surrounding you or, or whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to give up. Even if it was a hopeless situation. I wasn't going to give up. I would think of the seal creed. I am never out of the fight. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, I'll never be able to, you know, say that, say that if, if I, if I quit on myself right now. And I had also spoken about being a SEAL my, like, you know, since I was 16 and there was no way I was going to go back to my family and friends and all these people I, I love and say, oh yeah, that thing I wouldn't shut up about all those, all these years I, I quit on it. I would never be able to look myself in the mirror, many, just many things. And and I knew I belonged. I knew I was supposed to be there. Um, I just, I just had to get healthy. I didn't know what it was. Sure, yeah. Even when I went to the doctors, I didn't think that. And they took my labs. I, I, I was pretty hopeless at that moment. I didn't think it was going to actually come back what the doctor had said, because yeah. um, everything was going wrong <laughs> at the time. Well, I was going to ask you, um, what do you think it is about you that made you okay with eating so much shit to be where you want to be? You know what I mean? Um, it's like, uh, from my perspective, and this is one of the ways that I've found that build guardrails, left and right limits, but also kind of an outline for self-improvement. It's like you look to people that you respect and you start to analyze what they believe, right? You read about their virtues and then you think about their mantras like the seal creed and stuff like that. And then you internalize them and they become part of your identity, right? You, you like, this is the, this is the person that I want to be. And here is how I get there, right? I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, it sounds, it seems complicated. A lot of people on their 
path towards self-improvement, whatever it happens to be, um, there's a really high barrier to entry because they don't know where to begin, right? I mean, it's it, despite the fact that there are like 250,000 self-help books at any given time, uh, people still don't really know where to start because it is a very individualized process. It's kind of like your health and diet and stuff. It, it's very specific to you, right? And what motivates you is very specific to you. But there are some there are some things that I think work uh, 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 strategically for pretty much everybody, and that's one of them. Like I want this is what I want to be. I want to be this kind of man. And here are men that are like that, right? That I know that I can look to. Whether it's whether you're reading about Hemingway going off to join the military, you know, a hundred years ago, or whatever the fuck, or about Marcus Luttrell or somebody else. <clears throat> it's uh and it brings up the point like it's really important in a culture who we decide our heroes are you know what i mean like it's it used to be the as as, <laughs> as tony soprano used to like to say the strong silent type like jimmy stewart a guy who was a very famous actor but continued to go back to war over and over again whenever the country needed him you know what i mean or the baseball players from the 1940s who put their career aside, like Ted Williams put his career aside, Joe DiMaggio, to go fight in the war and stuff like that. Um, Ted Williams did it twice. He, he flew sorties in, in Korea as well. It's like those were heroes back in the day. Now it's like Cardi B and uh, dumb people, right? It's like, yeah, culture's, culture's breaking down, right? Of course it is because our kids need somebody to look to that matter that are doing the right thing, that are doing things that benefit society. And we constantly parade the dumbest motherfuckers in the world in front of them and pretend like that's aspirational somehow. Yeah, like my my heroes were actually going into the SEAL teams. It was Pat Tillman mm. and, and uh, Kyle Maynard. And crazy enough, I ended up meeting Kyle Maynard at a, at a beach bar and... So Kyle was born without arms and legs, became a champion wrestler and jiu-jitsu fighter and uh, bear crawled Kilimanjaro and is in the Wrestling Hall of Fame, fought MMA. I was just like, man, this guy's incredible. If I ever get blown up in um, Iraq or wherever, I'm going to be real strong for my weight class the same way Kyle is. And it was just pretty empowering doing that. I'm at a beach bar in San Diego with a bunch of my SEAL friends. All of a sudden, I see Kyle next to me. I'm like, Kyle Maynard, what's up? And we started talking, talked for several hours, uh, became really good friends. He ended up moving in with me. We traveled all around the world together, went to like 20 plus countries. He ended up kind of helping me out with student life a lot and stuff and helped each other with a lot of different things. And so that was, that was kind of crazy. Uh, just speaking about, you know, who your, who your heroes are and stuff. But, but I, I totally agree with all that. Um, and, you know, they, they put these people who are weak and have a horrible message and, um, and you can, you can see, yeah, how it's affecting society and everything. Yeah. It, it's turned society into wanting to be heroes, mm. into wanting to be victims, right. because it's a lot easier to be a victim and get a bunch of praise. And now it's a competition. It's a, it's a victim Olympics. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm a woman. I have it harder than you. Well, I'm a black woman. I have it harder than you. Well, I'm a black trans woman. And every, it's like, it's who can create the most victim, victimist identity that mm. they can to 
<laughs> to uh, try to be the instead of being a hero and actually being strong and helping people. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, it it changes it too. So when the hero is an actual hero, we and the way we define hero as well is like service is the primary element of that, right? Every meaningful thing you do in your life is going to be in the service of other people, whether it's taking care of your family, your community, or something else, right? Or just in some stranger you fucking meet. And then culture shifts a little bit, and we start to lionize and heroize uh, victim shitbags, right? And what, what a, a victim is constantly looking in the mirror. That is the, that's the most narcissistic person possible is somebody who is a perpetual victim, right? Because all they're ever thinking about is how life is affecting them, not how they can use what they've been given to go possibly affect other people. So now we have a whole generation or two of people who are staring in the mirror wondering, when's it going to be my time? It's like, well, do you don't not remember what JFK said? Like, it, do, like, do shit for your country and your country will become better. G.K. Chester said it as well. Men didn't love Rome because she was great. Rome was great because the men loved her, right? It's, it's, it's broken window theory on a very grand scale. If you do the, the, the hard work, you know, if enough people engage in society enough, society is good. And if they don't, if they stare in the mirror too long, then society breaks down and gets fucked up. And that, that, it ha it's happened in every culture, every empire, every re republic, everything forever. It's always gone this way. And somehow we still are shocked. We're shocked when it happens. Like, oh, I can't believe this. It's like, can you believe this? Like, yeah, I can fucking believe it. Yeah. And, and that leads to these people who already... Really, they're the most privileged people in society. Million, millionaire actors where everyone kisses the ground they walk on, like Jesse Smollett or whatever. Mm. He's black, gay, you know, checks all the boxes, but he's got to go out and create a whole bigger victim thing than what even reality is. And what's he do? He hires a bunch of guys from Nigeria to pretend they're... They're white, like MAGA, MAGA guys. They like pretend he pretends to like get hung by them, mm. and and uh, they're like yelling stuff. This is MAGA country, and he, you know, it's just it's just insane. He already checked all the boxes as a victim, but had to create create a whole another kind of victim scenario that didn't even mm. exist, and he hired black guys to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's like, that's how it goes, though. Like we can't we, make this stuff up. Yeah, we're we're competitive. Uh, nature makes us competitive because nature wants the best out of us, right? Like it's iron, iron sharpens iron. That's how it works in all of nature, right? It's a, it's a meritocracy for the most part. Um, yeah. But then it becomes like if you, the if destruction you, of society is, is getting rid of the meritocracy. Right. But well, I mean, we, so we've, we've traded out the meritocracy for another form of competition and it's a race to the bottom. It's who can be the most pathetic <laughs> basically. Right. So, yeah. uh, like, what, what did we expect the result of that was going to be? It's obvious what it was going to be. And then, you know, the, the, the really bad part of it isn't just the underperformance, but it's that when critical parts of culture and society aren't taken care of, then nefarious actors will come into that power vacuum and start to take care of it for you. And that's where government comes in, right? I tell people this all the time. If, you wanna, if, you're, a real, if you're really intent on conservatism or libertarianism the best thing you can do is solve problems in your own community before the fucking government shows up trying to solve them because when the federal government shows up and there are no hands out beg begging for stuff they don't have any power there so they'll just move on to the next place right you insulate yourself 
you make yourself more resilient by, you know, being more self-sufficient. It's always been that way. Um, but somehow, you know, we've, we've, we've really gotten away from that. And, <clears throat> you know, there are a lot of things that feed into it. There's a big feedback loop on this. The victim part is bad. And then the, you know, nefarious actors that try to keep us in that victimhood mentality so they can take advantage of it are also bad. Yeah. The, the nefarious factors, you, you just look at this unholy alliance and it's, it's government, of course, it's the tech, a lot of the technology companies, although, you know, we kind of got Twitter back and some things. Um, we, we have pharma, we have, um, the media, it's, it's kind of crazy the way they were all in cahoots for several different things doing a, oh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really stupid to, and, and it's, I guess I don't like to be super negative about it. People are like, oh, well, we're yeah. just, the empire's going to crumble and shit. It's like, maybe, maybe. I mean, if we let it, it will. Yeah, for sure. But, and that's what we've been doing so far. We've been letting life happen to us for the past well, it's 75 years, maybe. Um, yeah. <clears throat> in the West, especially. It's like Plato said, if you refuse to take part in your own governments, you're doomed to be ruled by fools, right? Like that, that's just how it is. And that's the, the purpose of this show is that you can either bitch and moan about your rights and your plight in life and all that stuff. And you can sit around and wait for somebody to secure those rights for you. And you will be a subject under their rule. That is, that is how it works. Or you can secure those rights yourself by performing the responsibilities required of you. And that's what makes you a citizen, right? Of a country yeah. that like it is a two way street. If it's a if there's a social contract, and to be clear, there really isn't a social contract anymore. Maybe there never was, but if there is this this broader idea of a social contract, there are services that you have to render as well, right? Like you, th there's there's no there's no partnership that works when only one side is pulling their weight. You know what I mean? Um, so that it's it's just it's really fucking stupid. But the good news is that as is often the case in the, uh, in the definition of the problem, we find the solution. It's just being active. You know what I mean? Finding, yeah. finding ways to engage in civic society, finding ways to help other people, insulate our communities from outside threats and things like that. Like these are all things that we're more than capable of doing. Not, not just military people. Anybody is capable of doing this stuff. Yeah, there, there was some people in my community in the SEAL community who they kind of get harped on being, you know, quiet, quiet professional and these different things. And that's especially good when you're like a new guy. They don't want people going out talking about being a SEAL, even at bars or anything else. But some people kind of think that goes for the rest of your life. And I say it's like so important for the SEALs who have have done a lot and experienced all these things to Jocko's, Rob O'Neill, um, that if we aren't going out and putting a message into the world, mm -hmm. it's going to be just a bunch of Hillary Clintons and Joe Bidens and a lot of the other people that you talked about that are going to be con controlling, controlling the whole world and pushing the Kardashians, pushing culture mm -hmm. all one direction. We, 
we especially once guys are out and retired, it is so important for them to be out putting a message, helping drive mm-hmm. culture back the the right way. Sure, yeah. And, and it, people have this idea of uh, the well, I mean, there's a bunch of tropes about veterans, uh, the the broken the broken war fighter, the fucking, uh, the, the con the perpetual contractor who can't leave, uh, the, the, the conservative pro war person or whatever the fuck. It's like, I don't know a whole lot of dudes that have been in war that are super pro war. And, yeah. uh, you guys and some of your buddies, uh, we talked about it before, um, <clears throat> have leveraged a lot of your, your talent and skill. Like, I, I, so me and a lot of my buddies work in counter human trafficking, right? Um, you guys, uh, you, Rudy, and a bunch of other dudes, um, are part of this organization, Force Blue. Tell me about that and what it is you guys do specifically. Because you wouldn't necessarily think that a fucking operator would be out doing environmentalist work, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, really, we kind of put conservative in in conservation. uh, And, you know, so it's Force Blue is... uh, takes former combat divers and we partner with the top scientists in the world from University of Miami, Florida Aquarium, Frost Center for Science, some of the other universities. And we do all types of maritime uh, conservation. So ocean ocean conservation. So a big part of that is the coral reef. And we built the 100 Yards of Hope where we had a, had a nursery, worked with the University of Miami scientist and these other partners flipped it all, brought it out, um, and cemented it all to the ocean floor. And immediately as we're cementing it, fish are moving in and making it their new apartment home. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced in my life, basically creating ecosystems. Loose fish are then, you know, part for the next. Turtles come in. It's it's a whole thing. We also go down to the Keys and save uh, sick and diseased sea turtles down there. So mm. we'll, we'll capture them either jumping on top of them and pulling them in the boat if they're very large, or we'll, we'll capture them in nets. And some of them have fibril papillomavirus, which is this big, nasty tumors coming out of their body. Sometimes it's out of their eyes, out of their neck. Sometimes they can't, uh, they can't mate because of it. And it can get into their internal organs as well. But we'll... We partner with the turtle hospital and turtle scientists, uh, and we bring we bring them in, and they get laser surgery from the doctors to get rehabilitated, and then they're released back into the wild. and It's amazing. It could be my grandchildren or great grandchildren that that can see them in another you know ninety ninety mm, years, yeah, and and see the same turtle. They they live really long, and and uh, so. I really love doing doing all that work, and we're it's with a, bu- a bunch of our best friends. It gives it gives us some and in you know helping you know veteran suicide and everything. A lot of guys can feel they don't have a mission anymore. They don't have a community anymore. So it's just such a great way to uh, to continue to continue to continue to have both of them. Yeah, sure. And it's I mean we're we're seeing improvement in that regard. I don't know about the turtles. Um, I don't really track on that, but I know that over the last year or two, the Great Barrier Reef, which has had some problems over the last 50 years or so, has yeah. the hardcover has actually increased 30%, or I'm sorry, the it's increased 300% over the last like fucking five or 10 years just from 
you know, some of the, uh, some of the uh, stuff um, that, you know, scientists and organizations like yours have done for it. Like there's, um, Rudy was telling me about some kind of gel or some bullshit that scientists made that you were putting on the reef to, to, to uh, heal it a little bit, I guess, or concrete other pieces to it or some bullshit. I don't remember exactly what he said. Can you tell yeah, me about that? There's, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things. They actually can create because there's different, so, some of it is there's, it's almost like an AIDS virus that was going on with the, with the coral and, and spreading. And so we're finding, we're designing in, in the labs actual more resilient uh, coral and also coral that is more resilient to temperature change so that if it gets a really hot day that mm. there, it doesn't get bleached and, and die. So we're finding more resilient strains, planning, planning that out there, planning it in nurseries so we can grow, you know, ma massive amounts, go out, plant. We planted over a thousand pieces in one day, made a whole football field of coral reef, had Miami Dolphins, uh, literally diving with us in partnership with the NFL and this and the Super Bowl um, because it, it can't can't just be us doing it there's got to be a message going out to the to the world and the and, you know 70% people are, are into sport so it's like a way to get get the message out as well the NFL is a great partner they play it at their uh, the NFL draft and other events that they have throughout the country um, so it's 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 a number of things that they're doing between the gel to protect it and the uh, just more resilient strains to temperature and and the diseases and then planning planning all of them to give it the best chance of survival. Yeah, that's really cool. And then you know it makes me think of uh, uh, people who do hunting conservation in, in the states. You know, there's there's like Steve Rinella and people like that who really go out of their way to not just do it but also to educate people. I mean, Ranella and, and Rogan are probably a as responsible for the increase in health amongst conservative men of any two people that exist right now, just like getting yeah. meat, real meat and fucking like working out the right way and stuff like that. And the point of that is like, you don't have to, you don't have to start a t-shirt or security company or coffee company or podcast or any of the typical bro bet businesses to find your purpose again when you get out of the military, right? Like you don't 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 feel like you're pigeonholed by those things. There are tons of different ways that you can go out and find stuff that you are maybe uniquely suited to perform, right? Where you can go out into the world and find that you can help improve your family, your community, and the world at large, right? There's so many different things, and I'm telling you, as a as a man, if you don't find something like that, if the, if there's not if you're not working off a playbook to get to a very specific part, a, a place in life, then you will never be fulfilled or satisfied. You're going to be your, the circumstances of your life may be good. Um, <clears throat> but that can be even more problematic because you're not going to be, you're everything around you will seem okay, but you're still fucking miserable and depressed because you don't, you, you know that you don't have a purpose, but you won't admit it to yourself. And that's when it gets really dangerous. Like if things are really good, and you're still depressed, that's when things get really dangerous. Because that's when you start yeah. self-medicating. Like, oh, I guess this is just as good as it gets. You know what I mean? Well, a lot of times people people are like that. And then they, they get the, the one or two things that happen. Um, all of a sudden, the wife wants a divorce. All of a sudden, problem mm. with the kids or the kids get taken away. And then, then that's when a lot of the things or 
lose a job at the same time, I there's there's several people I know that that it, that it happened to somewhere just even just friends on social media and stuff that wore soon to life never would have imagined and out of nowhere guys guys killed themselves yeah uh yeah i mean it's like you've got to find that there's and and i was i just got somebody into a uh a program yesterday they were having a lot of trouble and i got them squared away with a program yesterday last night actually and and I, i was just telling them like look i can fucking get you into this thing they can fucking help you, but you've got to do it. Like nobody can do this for you. You you have to decide that you're gonna persist, right? You're gonna be resilient. Whatever life throws at you, you're gonna tell. You're just gonna fucking push through it. And then you have to fucking sit down and make a like come up with manageable fucking goals that you can fucking really reach. Start small, man. Just like hey, I'm gonna fucking wake up at, at seven every morning from now on, instead of sleeping until nine or whatever the fuck, right? Do small things. That's what, as much shit as I give them for it, that's what McCraven was talking about, making your bed. Like just yeah, yeah, the, the, the small mechanical things that build left and right guardrails in your life are super important. So start small. And, you know, once you get good at that thing, it's like, well, you know what? I can actually do more. And you'll be surprised how quickly it goes, how quickly you just start fucking improving because we're not meant to sit around and think about how life sucks. That's what losers yeah. do. We're meant to do shit. Yep. You know what I mean? We're fucking, we're animals. We're meant to do shit. We're, it used to be really simple back in the day where you would just be going out hunting every day yeah. or you didn't, or you didn't eat. Just trying like, to stay alive simple. is like really good like, motivator. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, all right, I got to feed. I got to feed my family. I got to feed my friends. Very simple motivation. Mm. Nobody's, nobody's killing themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guarantee it. Yeah. And then um, you, then you, you, then you, you take that same attitude and it's like, it isn't busy work. It's, it's not like, it's not work just to work. Like you should have a purpose behind it, but staying busy is a good thing, right? I mean, it, it really is yeah. that I, uh, what, what, what's the phrase idle hands of the devil's play thing, I think mm, is how it goes. Yeah. It's like, so these lessons you can learn at the lower level, improving your own life and your own level of discipline, then begin to permeate throughout the rest of your life. Your family becomes better taken care of and more satisfied and fulfilled and happier and safer. And then you bring this into your workplace, uh, like, you know, we've done at Black Rifle in here. It's been a big deal for us to be able to fucking do that shit, right? I mean, for our mental health, it's been a big deal for us to do something that we think matters again. Uh, and then have it be a business where we can actually make a living off of it, right? Like working the fields, basically, but in the modern age, I guess. And yeah. you're doing that with Sunga Life now. Uh, tell me about how that, well, first of all, what it is and how that all started. Yeah, so from doing jiu-jitsu and everything, I was really close with the Gracie family, went down to Rio de Janeiro and throughout Brazil several times with them. And I'd be at the beach hanging out, and I'm the only guy in board shorts. And I'm talking to a Brazilian girl and my friends. I think I'm like, oh, I think I really need to, get some of these sungas, I see you get like better suntans and they like dry way faster. You come out of the water, you're not walking around in a soggy pair of shorts. Mm. And the girl's like, yeah, and they're just so sexy on men. And I'm like, all right. And that, and that <laughs> was like, it, right? That was it. <laughs> that was it. I went, bought a bunch of them. I started wearing them all over the world. And everybody would be like, where the girls were always complimenting me on them. I wouldn't even have to like, go talk to them they'd come be like oh wow i like i like your 
I like your shorts. And guys, sometimes guys would make fun of me for a second and then they'd be like, hey, do you have any more lose? And uh, so I'm like, all right, I need to make, I kind of need to share this life hack with the rest of the US. And, and uh, Single Life was born. And then I went to, actually me and Kyle Maynard kind of traveled around the world the year I got out of the Navy, went to like 20 plus countries and created some cool content for the brand and everything there. I took him scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef. I just kind of held his tank while I swam him around. And because because he he doesn't have like like legs to thin or anything. Mm -hmm. And then we climbed the highest mountain there and just did a lot of really epic stuff. Sailed around the Adriatic Sea of Croatia, carried him on my back all the way up to where uh, Jesus was crucified mm -hmm. and all, all kinds of great things. And then went to uh, start my MBA at UCLA and it ended up being my master's thesis there as well and had other MBA students work on it for a grade. And it was kind of it was kind of my goal going to UCLA to be able to do that. And then just kind of took all the resources and, and did several accelerators there and was just really helped me just like scale and grow the brand and everything. So you started out with just the shorts, right? And now there's a whole wide array of products. Yeah, it was just the Sungas at first and then um, create like was like, all right, I need to make because everybody doesn't wear loose. Maybe I'll and silkies are real big in a veteran community and ranger panties. So basically took the same des designs and put them on the silkies, then made the board shorts. And a lot of the girls were like, oh, I want to I want to wear that. So I made bikinis and workout shorts for women and start making joggers and t-shirts and and uh all all kinds of stuff made made different kind of wooby hoodie jackets as well that were like peacock on the inside and camo on the outside and we say if you're going to peacock do it like a patriot <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. somebody just did one i don't remember who it was but somebody just made a version it's kind of a mix between sunga life and uh the old urban camo but it's all dicks have you seen this Oh, no way. It's a, it's a meme oh that's been, gosh. they actually made the design and they're putting it on stuff. Like somebody, uh, one of my buddies got it coated on one of his rifles the other day. Um, but oh, no way. it's it's basically a meme that's floating around. It's like, look, the Navy's got new camo and it's just all dicks. On <laughs> Which would make that's, sense, right? That's awesome. Totally. <laughs> um, totally. So how's the growth of the business been over the past, I mean, whatever, however many years it's been, uh, what, eight years, almost eight years now since you guys started? Yeah, you know, it was it was going really well. And then kind of the, you know, I had almost like a million in sales, um, like year and a half ago, or I guess, yeah, a year, a year ago, had a million in sales, but then there was other challenges from kind of the iOS update and, and things. And I was focused, I kind of started launching some other companies and was very focused on that. I've been building a, it's like a nine acre outdoor range in uh, West Palm area. Rob O'Neill is a partner on that, Kaj Larson. Drew Platus, who's an army ranger. And it's kind of like a, it's like a country club for tactical shooting and training. we have over a hundred members already and it opens on February 1st. So if you're ever in Florida, I'll, I'll take you out shooting there. Um, and we goes out to 300, 300 meters. And that's really unheard of in, mm. in South Florida because oh, yeah. land's really hard to come by. And we have 150 meter range, uh, 35 meter pistol rifle range. Jake, Jake Paul just came out, like landed a helicopter, took him shooting. He was actually r really good, followed an instruction really well. Uh, yeah, did, uh, did so. Jeff come with him? Jeff Wu, you know, Jeffrey? 
He's a good guy. They're, he, they're, they're so on the, they, I, they own a, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, a capital investment firm together. Like so a VC. Yeah. yeah, they have a VC. Yeah. I met I met him. I went to his, I went to his lot. He gave me kind of tickets for his last fight. And then we kind of did a little after party at his house. So Wu, Wu was there for, yeah, he's the for man. all that. He's super he fucking with, smart, man. The, he, he lives in Miami. He's not too far away from there. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's still there. You said you you said the range is in Palm Beach, like up that up yeah. that way. So yeah. just like north of uh, of uh, Boca a little bit. Yep, it's basically 40, 30 to forty five minutes from Jupiter, mm. Boca, and Palm Beach. Mm, I need to hook you up. Well, you know the Killcliff Fight Club is there too. You know Killcliff. Yeah, I know so they, they have a fight. They have a fight gym up there. there now. Yeah, they have a fight, oh, a no full on fight gym that uh, like Mickey Gall and a bunch of other people train up there. Um, wow, I, yeah. I actually didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah, I'll, D, I'll DM you the info so you can find it. It's not too awesome. far. Do you live there? Do you live in Palm Beach? I live in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, okay, actually. yeah. So it's like no. probably if you're in Fort Lauderdale, it's probably like 45 minutes from you. I think something yeah. like that. It's not bad. Anyways, yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad it's going well. Um, it's not always easy to the 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 fake pandemic bullshit was kind of rough on some businesses um but online businesses did okay i guess um yeah it, mine it, for started commodities. doing mine started doing better and then then kind of ios update and and several other things i think just the economy as well i know a lot of people who have online businesses who it's just been a 2023 was a tougher was a tougher year yeah. for sure yeah for sure I, definitely yeah rates are up uh, although they're starting to come down now so we'll see how it goes it's an election year so they have to make it look good you know um yeah we'll see how that i goes. did some other things to try to you know supplement it i went i did this crazy uh tv show in korea have you have you heard of the iron squad at all no what is that so i mean me asian my... asian game shows are in fucking insane so I got, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing about this. Yeah. So went to Korea, filmed the whole month of July. It was me and two seals, Kaj Larson, Ian mm. Chinelli, and a, and a green beret, Will Ravello. And we did this show and it was Korea's like top, top TV show. Um, it was all these military challenges, everything from mud wrestling in a, in a pit to, doing a sniper stress course, running with boats on heads and all these crazy things. So first day I get there, they're like, oh, you're gonna get plenty of time to shoot all this stuff, try the different guns that we have. And that that didn't happen. It was like right into a gauntlet and we did this mud wrestling thing. And I'm like a good, you know, really good wrestler, jiu-jitsu guy. But I'm like lining up and I'm like, oh, my feet are kind of stuck in this mud. And it's like right up, Right, the guy goes for a single leg. I fall back, hit the sandbag, break my rib, and then my friend gets shoved out. It was two on two. All of a sudden, I have two guys on me, and my rib is like sticking out. I can feel it like sticking, like popping out, not through the skin, but just yeah, you know, yeah. out of my out of my rib, freaking going. I'm getting like drowned for like a minute in there. We lose in like embarrassing fashion. I'm like, what the heck was that? And, and then, you know, kind of heal, like heal up a little bit, but then we're sleeping on the floor as well. It's like Korean culture. I never slept on the floor in my life and now I'm doing it with a broken rib. Got like two hours of sleep onto the next competition. Now it's like both, they, they do, they do some other stuff. We're eliminated from the, from the first uh, thing, which is going to choose 
the winner of it will get to choose who they're going to go against. So they choose us because we're they thought we they thought we were weak because we did we did really bad in this thing. It was the Korean seals that that won it. Mm -hmm. They got the special forces. They got seven oh sevens, which is like their their CAG or Delta Force, mm -hmm. and some some other units. Five Korean units, one American team, and then we go into the next one, and it's. Uh, Boats on heads into a paddle out, take down a ship, dive down like 15, paddle out more, dive down, get a key, come back, get this box, which is supposed to be a bomb, disarm it. It's like 200 pounds. You got to put it up, carry it up this ladder and to get out of the, out of the, out of the sailboat, back onto the IBS, paddle in and run 300 meters up the boat with that. Mm. So we they're, do, they're not going to beat you. This. They're not going to beat you with that one. That's like your bread and butter. No, we and and they chose us. They were the top team. They choose us, and we just I Kaj hadn't done buds. I mean, boats on head since two thousand one, since like nine <laughs> eleven. He was in, he was doing boats on head. Yeah, I I hadn't done it since eight. Ian was like twenty ten, and a lot of these guys are like twenty five, twenty eight. Just got out like two months ago. Yeah. And yeah, but we just dom we dominate them in this, and they're like, they're like, damn, and and so we we literally win that. The team that had gone through and won the challenges beat us in the mud, the mud pit. They had to go and do a death match. Didn't get to sleep all weekend on top of it. We went back, did like the Korean spa and sauna, and, and it was just like ongoing. All these other challenges uh, ended up becoming really close with all the Koreans. I learned so much about the Korean War, which was, you know, this was, I, when my rib was hurt and all this stuff, I just thought of my grandpa who had been, you know, once again, had fought there for the full year of 1951, had to retreat one time because he was fighting a million Chinese and had been shot in the chest, shot in the neck, uh, or shrapnel through his neck from a mortar had many of his friends die right in front of him. He was just a 20 year old kid. Didn't even tell his parents he was wounded because he didn't want them to worry about him. And he just went out back out and kept fighting. So I'm like, I'm, you know, I've had a lot more life experience and I, you know, I'm doing this with a bunch of my friends. I hurt my rib. Like, don't even let it, let it bother you. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's so, not, it's not squid game, right? You, you're not going to yeah, die at the yeah, end probably. So yeah. it'll be fine. So ended up having like an amazing time there. I mean, it was it was tough. It was kind of like you know SEAL training again, but made me feel really kind of good getting back into into all of that. Um, and I literally like come back from that. And, and you know, I had me and Kaj have been really good friends, but we hadn't got to really operate like that. So mm -hmm. that was kind of really fun to get to get to do all these kind of mock missions, taking down ships, taking down giant giant factory like manufacturing back factory plants running through all these things that sounds like it would be a dope tv show in america just like former operators yeah. teaming up and doing like yep. just running courses and shit like that for for points for money or whatever right totally. that would be fucking dope totally. shit why is nobody done i mean the all we do is like and not not that i don't like like rudy's on a show uh special forces that where they put regular dicks through uh like yeah. selection or whatever the fuck but it, yep. we've never done a show. Where, no, that's not true. There was one where they paired up operators with civilians and they ran courses together because Chris Kyle did it. I remember 
But I don't. Uh, that's, oh, really? that's the only time I've ever seen it. Yeah, before he died, he was he was on that show. Wow. I, actually, he I was teamed up. That. I think he was teamed up with Jeff Palin, Sarah Palin's ex. Um, oh no way! For that. Yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> um, oh my god! But that seems like that's like watching sports to me. Like watching dudes yeah. go through shoot houses and stuff. I'm watching it like I'm watching oh, yeah. football. Totally. That it was. It was. It was like that. People. I mean, people went went crazy. People went crazy for it, and we became like one of the most probably the most popular team as well all the koreans were like rooting rooting for us to win it was it was hysterical like uh, rocky um, four right yeah 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 where the russians turn yeah. on uh boris whatever the fuck his name what was his name i don't remember his name uh Dolph, Dolph, Dolph lundgren um yeah that's funny i i it, where is that is there can i watch this somewhere yeah i can send Do you, you yeah send it also, to me i'll put on, it in the show I'll send notes it to you i have a whole yeah i have a whole Thing, but it's also on daily motion uh i have like mm. a login that they gave me to be able to watch it on korean tv it was also it was like number one on korea and netflix but uh you'd have to like change your vpn probably to watch it to oh watch that's it easy we there. got express vpn over here it's fine nice yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah that's um, good well what else do you have coming up uh so you and sunga life what's going on in the in the in the 2024 period yeah, just doing, going to be doing a bunch of new drops and everything. And and uh, actually kind of, so it was funny. I came back from that and then ended up joining the special ops unit of the Florida of the Florida State Guard mm. that DeSantis uh, yeah, yeah. had. So literally all my like best friends in Florida joined, joined this group. Um, and we like got to do a bunch of shooting, fast roping from helicopters, running around on boats and then that way. We're all, we're all kind of empowered through the governor. If something crazy happens with a hurricane mm. or whatever, we have all like you know millions of dollars of training. We can go out and actually make a difference and help people in our own state, not going you know over to mess up Af- like you know the withdrawal with with Afghanistan or something else. You know with you you know whoever the president. If you have a president that doesn't know what they're doing, you're not subject to them. Yeah. Uh, just doing it in your own in your own state is pretty is pretty awesome for this stage of my life right now. Yeah, it's dope. Good man. Well, look, uh, tell everybody before we get out of here. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your companies. Yeah, so you can find me Instagram uh, Jeff Gum and uh, Sunga Life S U N G A dot L I F E, and then just sungalife dot com as well for the website. Got all the best kind of. It's kind of like the Navy SEAL Lululemon or got swimwear, athleisure, workout stuff. Uh, we got the pocket silkies, which mm-hmm. have little kind of things you can put your phone in and everything. So just, uh, yeah, probably the most comfortable shorts out there. What about hair care products? I mean, I expect a Navy SEAL organization <laughs> to have some hair care products. Yeah, just got, you know, the grooming, grooming clay <laughs> yeah. goes right there. Oh, do you really? I was just fucking with you. <laughs> not, oh. not not my own grooming clay but all right cool yeah you guys go check out sunga life go check out jeff gum uh and uh thanks for coming on man i really appreciate it. it's been a good conversation definitely definitely it was yeah great great talking and i was hoping to get to do it in person with you but uh i think you're going out to shop show or something yeah yeah, yeah. the dates got yeah. changed a bit yep. but but um yeah i'd love to link up if you're in florida or i go through austin sometimes as well yeah hit me up i mean we're, we're we go through florida a lot too we have a big uh our booze company sells a lot of stuff down there especially in that area so uh, I'm if sure you're we'll be if soon. you're going to any ucf games um, i go to almost every game every home game 
Uh, we yeah. also one of our our head engineer is a UCF graduate, so we go. We actually usually once a year we go to a game there. So I'll let you know. I think I saw you at one of the first ones last last year. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We were there. We were. I think it was the opening weekend. It was September 9th, I think. Was awesome. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I'll hit you when we come there. Thanks for coming on, Dave. Man, I really appreciate it. Definitely. And thank yeah, you all for I'll listening. Talk to you, Dan. Yeah, Have thanks. A great one. Uh, thank you all for listening. It's been Citizen.